How's everybody doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I just want to say, man, after two services, I am so grateful for our worship team, man. They are, that, that is just a blessing to, uh, to get to preach after them. And if y'all don't come on the 23rd, that's y'all's bad because it's going to be awesome, all right? So y'all need to make sure that y'all get y'all schedule ready for 6 p.m. All right, I need y'all's help. Before I even go over last week's message, I'm just going to get this out of the way right now. I need y'all to be a little bit Pentecostal. Can y'all do that? Yes. So, so two people. is That's awesome. All right, all right. So this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is audience participation. I need y'all right now to say, well. well. All right. So I need y'all to do that when I say something good. Can y'all do that? Well. All right. That's good. That's good. Right. I'm excited now because we're, so we're going to see if y'all are paying attention in just a minute because hopefully I say something good. All right. So, well, so, all right, all right. Um, last week we started Overflow, and I, I really believe for a lot of people, this is going to be the series that changes you as much as any series ever have or, or has in the past. I mean, because, like, when we look internally and we say, man, I want God to greatly use me, it's like a maddening cycle, isn't it? It's like, I try really hard, I don't understand what's wrong. I don't understand. So last week we opened with this. Gratitude is what happens that that's what that's what the root of overflow is that's that when I'm when I'm flowing over and people look at me and say I want what he's got when our culture changes and they say I want what he's got I want what she's got it comes from gratitude gratitude the starting point for it is when we put entitlement to bed because most of us we live with entitlement just filling us up that's I'm entitled to this I'm entitled to this I'm entitled to to God giving me everything I want I'm entitled right that's that's well, that's like, that's, that's what we want, right? That entitlement, that it's kind of how we live our lives. Gratitude, the starting point, begins when entitlement ends. And we base that on the first three verses of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I won't want for anything. Well, if I won't want for anything, then I shouldn't be entitled, right? God's going to give it to me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And if you don't, uh, if you didn't get to hear the message, if you weren't here last week, I encourage all of you guys to go watch it. It's online. I encourage you to watch it because it'll help you kind of understand this one better uh, even today. But today is, is, I don't know if it's my favorite one because it might be next week, but, but I, I really love this week because I just think all of you, I think all of you, and certainly me, can understand this one, right? So, so just by show of hands or a goodwill, how many of you guys right now are either in a valley, in a tough place, You've, you've just come out of it, or you are staring at it, and you know it's about to hit you. You can either raise your hand or say, well, come on. Right? Right? That's almost all of us. And if you're not there, if, if there's a person in here that will look at me right now and say, Pastor Mark, I've never faced a difficulty, I'm going to invite you to walk out. Because this really isn't for you. I don't know what to tell you either, because that's like, well, I don't, you, you know, that wasn't a good well either. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I don't, I, that's crazy. We all face really tough things, Right? And, and here's the deal, here's the deal. This is what I do, maybe y'all don't, and I hope you don't. When I'm facing difficulties, what I tend to do is I look at how I got through them in the past, right? Someone died, and this is how I got through it. Or, or when it comes to sin, what I say is, I watched what he did, and I'm not going to repeat that, right? And for a while, it works. It's crazy. Because we can, like, make that work. We can fit it in. We can fit it in. Ah, oh, that's going to work. But then it, it's just crazy because it's like, it's like the pattern repeats itself. And you're like, I don't get it. I don't want to do those things. So what's the deal? I coached uh, basketball for nine years. Nine years, 
I miss it every day. It's really hard for me today to watch college basketball without, like, wanting to get a marker on the, on the screen and start, no, you're supposed to scream high, not low. You're supposed to roll around, right? I, I see it. And this is a habit that we had, and I think it's just human nature. When we would beat the brakes off of somebody and we had a home and home with them, like you beat them by 35 points, what's the tendency? Are you let down. We hammered them. There's no worry, reason to worry. When we go to their place, we're going to hammer them again. And so you watch less film. You work a little bit less hard. You're not watching because you assume that the victory that you had that day means a dang when you go into their place. And they play like their hair's on fire. And they're mad because you beat them so bad. And the, and the matchup's a little more even than you give it credit for. And then, lo and behold, we're on the bus on the way home. And mean coaches go, you cannot say a word. There might have been something else said. You cannot say one word on the way home. I'm so mad right now. We're losing our minds. And we don't understand. We tried to let a past success dictate a future success. We, we tried to make a victory that we had had in our lives do that spiritually it's much deeper than that. But here's the deal. This is the trap that I think everybody falls in. When it comes to the difficulties or the valleys or the traps, this is what I think people, this is where we get into a huge problem. Past victories are not assurance of future victories. Past success is not assurance of future success. And when I have great victories in my life, when it comes to difficulties, when I've walked through a valley, if I look at that victory and say, because of that, I guarantee you I can get, get through it, it ends up in a train wreck so many times. Because I look at it, and listen, oftentimes it's what I did to get myself out. That's playing with fire. And that's the whole thing today. And listen, this verse that I'm about to read to you is very familiar with almost every person in this room. And I don't care if you haven't been to church in forever. If you've been to a funeral, you've heard Psalm 23 most likely because at the graveside, almost all of us use it. But listen, this is what's so awesome. This verse is not about death. <laughs> if y'all are my age, y'all remember this as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I take a look at my life, realize nothing left. All right, some of y'all, some of y'all got it. Someone, someone had it. Someone had it. I appreciate that, right? But we know the valley of the shadow of death because it's like in songs and we use it. It's secular. Like we've made it big. And then when people talk about difficulties, they'll put up. Y'all have seen it on social media. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Eh, sounds good. Like, no, you don't even get it. And this is what's amazing. This is not a message of death. This is David's message of hope. You're like, really? He just said when I walk through the valley of death. Well, this, this is why this is going to be a well message. Right? Y'all get ready because this is awesome because it really is crazy what David meant. So y'all look at this. Y'all have seen this before. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. And I'm going to have to find my rod and my staff because I don't know where they got put. But your rod and your staff, they come for me. All right? So let's start here. Valley of death. Valley of the shadow of death, called lots of different things, all right? I was just in Israel. If, you, if today you're a guest with us, you haven't been in a while, or today's your first time, and thank you so much for being here. But I just got back a couple weeks ago from Israel, and uh, we started in uh, Tel Aviv, and then we went to Galilee, and then you go down south. This is kind of typical of what you do. You go down south to Jerusalem, spend the last part of the week there. And they told us as we were driving because you drive and you pass, like, Jordan on your left as you're driving the country. And then you pass Jericho. And as you get in this area, it's like, it's like awful looking. <laughs> like, 
Israel was beautiful. I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I've seen pictures. But the Sea of Galilee was one of the prettiest places I've ever seen in my life. That is not pretty. Y'all with me? The, if y'all think that's pretty, y'all like desert, and that's cool. But there's not even cacti, is that right? Cactuses. There's not even a bunch, like, it, it is, there's a little bit of something right here, but it's like dead. It's like your grass if you have Bermuda right now. It's all brown and gross. And then the rest of it is, it's not alive. Nothing is alive. And this is called the Wadi Kelt, or the Judean Desert. And just before Jordan, I'm sorry, basically all of Jordan looks like this, but just before Jericho, down to the Dead Sea, and up to about 5,000 feet higher, up to Jerusalem, this is what happens. And so in Jerusalem, if you're standing on the Mount of Olives, there's a valley called Kidron. That's where, that's where David's castle was, this guy that wrote this, what we're reading today. And then there's another valley called Gehenna. It's called Hinnon in other places, and they meet, and then they go straight down toward the Dead Sea, and it's, it looks like this. This is where Jesus would have spent 40 days and nights in Matthew chapter 4 when he had no food and just water. And so when we read that, we're like, man, that's tough. No, no, that's real tough, right? Like, it gets to be 125, let me repeat that, degrees. Well, that's a lot, right? 125 degrees in this, and, and there's no trees. Do y'all see that? Like, it was the coolest part of the year when we were there, and it was 90. And I was, I was like, can we get back in the bus and go to where we're going and have air conditioning? Because this is terrible. And, and I was that spoiled. And so this is the deal. And this is why it's a message of hope. David got attacked several times. And if you don't know scripture, that's cool, but stay with me. David got attacked several times. And when he left his, his castle or his place that he lived in the Kidron Valley, he would flee here. That's so dumb, right? Like, why would you go to that? If I'm going to leave and go somewhere, I'm not going here. Surely if you're the king and you were a billionaire in today's coin, tons of times over, like he had so much money, you got another castle, right? You got the place on top of the mountain or something or the cool little hideout. So why go here? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death or the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. And this is why, this is why. There were caves, but this is why it's called the Wadi Kelt. And it's Q-E-L-T if you want to look it up. No, no you, Q-E-L-T. And, and this is why. You can't really see it, but in the bottom of this basin that goes like this all the way to the Dead Sea, there, it's like 20 feet deep in some places, and it was a riverbed. And it was dried up in David's day, so it's been dry for a long time. And it would go 10 to 20 feet deep in some places. And it, and it would be a cooler spot. But no one wanted to go down there because, you think about it, if you're walking through this dude for the first time, would you go down in a 20-foot deep pit? Like, nah. But he kind of knew the terrain, and he kind of found that this was the place for me because on top of these hills, it wasn't good, but it was 120, and it was direct sunlight. But, but Psalm 121, don't look it up now, but you can write this down. Psalm 121 says that the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers, which is the same thing, so I've never figured out why it says that, but, but, the, but the, the sun doesn't strike me by day or the moon by night, and I never understood that till I saw it. It's because he was down in the valley, right? He was in the valley, and only the noonday sun would hit him on the head. That's crazy, because the 11 o'clock and the 1 o'clock and then all the rest of the sun, where it was that is striking us if we're on top or if we're walking through or we don't know the terrain, it is, it is hammering us because if you are in direct sunlight and you haven't, and you haven't had food and water and all that stuff, but, but in the valley, 
He was protected. Now, I want you to catch this as I'm saying it. Listen, don't we fight against the valley more than anything in this world? Like we kick and we fight and we do whatever it takes to fight against the valley. And what David's actually saying to us is, look, even though I walk through this valley, I don't fear everything that's around. There's wolves, and there's animals all around, and I'm not afraid of them. Why? Because I know who is with me in the valley. He said in Psalm 139 verse 5, he goes before me and behind me, and his hand is on my head, meaning God is always with me. But now here's the tension, okay? Here's the tension. So many times in the valley, what I do is I try to work my way out of the valley, and that's where I lead myself into a mess. But if I'll listen and I'll go with him, it changes everything. Now, where, where's the... They were hidden. This is the walking stick, but it is as close as I could get to a staff, right? And this is what his, the rod or a club, it's like a caveman's club. It's what it would have looked like, all right? So this is what they did with these, and I think it's fascinating, so I wanted to have them. The, it would have been bigger, but the staff was used to block animals as they'd come and kind of stun them, and then they'd, bam, right in the head and kill them, right? But, but it was like, pop, pop. Well, like, it's, it's jujitsu, and then it was, it was Chuck Norris, but with the roundhouse club, right? And so, so, but this is why they did it. Like, all the time, think about this, right? They're walking through this valley, and animals are creeping up. And you're walking in a line. And sheep have really sensitive ears. If you were here last week, they have really sensitive ears. Terrible eyesight. So just imagine being in that valley and it's dark or it's getting darker or the sun has gone down. Right? And you don't want the animals to see you. So the moon doesn't mess them up at night. Because they're hidden. But even when they're not, the shepherd is there when the enemy comes to fight them off and pop them with the rod and the staff. And, and it was seriously a purpose of, of blunt, blunt. And then this is the other thing that it did. They did have a hook on them. And the purpose for the hook is, is when sheep, because they have no, their eyesight's terrible, they would simply gently grab them and put them back in line because it's a flock. And the shepherd knows his sheep. And he brings them back into the flock because sheep get so afraid that they run. And in the valley of all places, wouldn't you run? Because that's like... I'm scared to death, I don't see anything, and so you just scatter, and then they get out of the valley, and then it's worse. The place that I want to go worse than anything in the world is out of the valley, and yet when I leave the valley, that's the place I'm most vulnerable to die as a sheep. For us, it may not be death, but it will not be the end result that God wants for us. That's the deal. That's the tension. So many of us get nervous because we're like, I don't know what to do. And and instead of being close enough and listening for the shepherd where he pulls us back, he says, I got you. We just run and we're scared. And this is what's so frustrating about being a Christ follower is I want my path laid out, right? Are y'all with me? I want my path laid out where I can see everything. And this same David that wrote this in Psalm 119 said his word, his word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Well, think about him writing this as he's thinking about walking through this valley. He would have had at nighttime one or two steps if he'd had a lamp, right? He wouldn't have had miles ahead of him like we want. I want my whole life planned out before me because I want it this way. And I'm going to tell God and I'm going to let him in with my plans and that's cool. And David said, no, sometimes you get a couple steps. But we don't end up in the destination that we're supposed to go. go. 
we don't end up reaching what God has for our lives because we believe that we have to work our way out of the valley. Now listen to this, listen to this. If you haven't heard anything I've said yet, get this. It is not your job, listen, it is not your job to get yourself out of the valley. It's not your job to be full of the Holy Spirit. Listen, it's not your job to change the world. It's your job to be empty and let him fill you and the overflow comes from what he is doing in you. But so many of us look at what we've done in the past and said, I was good at that, so as a result, I should be good at this. And we tell God what we should be rather than tell God, I'll be whatever you want me to be, but just fill me. God, I see this valley, but I'm not really into that. Three times in my life, I can take you. I, can, I, I wish I had time. My life has changed drastically three different times. They were all valleys. It was never the mountain that changed me. The mountain is awesome. I look forward to the mountain. But did you notice how vulnerable you are on top of the mountain? Am I saying that I'm looking forward to the valley? Nah, <laughs> the valley's not awesome. Sometimes the valley's rough, right? Y'all are there today. But I change more in the valley because I'm more attentive to the shepherd than I am when I'm on top of the mountain. That's a good time to say, there you go. We're listening. All right. So, so, so this is the problem. I want to make my way up and I want to feel me and I want to tell God, I'm going to do better. God, you saw what I did. God, if I'm in the valley, I must have done something wrong. Stop it. Stop it. Mark, I'm preaching to me. Stop. It's a, it's a maddening cycle that we blame ourselves for something that's probably not something we did. And we don't believe what we say, do we? That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We say, I have condemnation because look at what I did. I ended up there. There's no way that's God's plan. Yes, it is. He wants you there so he can take you there. David never would have ended up in the man that he ended up being had he not gone through the valley, after the valley, after the valley. And then he wrote psalms about it. And it wasn't about death. It was about hope because with the Lord, it's crazy. And through that, he said, listen, his rod and his staff are not to beat me. Because so many times we look at God and say he wants to punish me. God didn't die the worst death ever to punish you. He did it to honor God. And through that, you could have a relationship with him, not to punish you. So God does not look down on you and say, bro, for real, you're terrible. He says, dude, I just, I just want a relationship with you. I love you. Just come to me. Thank you. Just come to me. And what if we really believe that? See, when I think about this, I think about my kids and, um, and my wife to a lesser extent, but kind of not really because that's my flock. That's my people, right? I'm a fairly, oh, I need to be careful because some of y'all know me. For the most part, I am not aggressive when it comes to fighting <laughs> today. Hey, is that better? Today, all right because someone really knows me that I fought with a lot back in the day. But, like, today, I'm not really going to get into a fist fight, I hope. But if you mess with my people, <sighs> go with Chuck Norris, roundhouse, pop, pop. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Boom, boom. Because it ain't going to work. That's my people. Because I, I that, that's, and, and this is why, dads, whether you know this or not, it's because we're their shepherd, right? I mean, that's kind of our call in life. If I fail at this, but I succeed as daddy, that's a win. That's awesome. 
if I fail at this, but I succeed as husband, that's a win. That's awesome. And so the reason Leah keeps the TV on at night when I have to be away at like a conference or come back from a coaching network or doing something is not because she thinks that a bad guy's coming in, but it's because I'm not there. And that doesn't mean that I'm awesome. It might, but it does like, right? <laughs> it really isn't anything about that, is it? It's that she finds comfort in me. I do not have the TV on if Leah's gone, that, but that doesn't mean that I don't find comfort in her. It's just different, isn't it? And my kids, when I walk in the room, do I really save the day from the boogeyman? Yes, but that's none of y'all's business, right? But, like, it, but, it's, but it's, it's silly. It's silly. And they, they squeeze on to me. This week, right after I talked about it last week, I laughed because I was like, Hasten, you are awesome because you're always a sermon illustration. If you're nothing else, you're an amazing sermon illustration. Because I walked in and he just he whispers, Daddy, it's really dark in here. And he just grabs my arm as tight as he can. And all he's saying is, I believe in you and you're my daddy and you're my shepherd and I trust you. Because your rod and your staff are to comfort me, not to harm me. And that's what God is for us. And then this is how Jesus described it. And I find this amazing. This is so fascinating when it's tied in with Psalm 23. This is why I love the Bible. Because I saw it. It came to life. It's amazing. And then this is what Jesus said to his disciples, describing himself and to the people that he was talking to. This is how he described himself in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. And what's interesting about this word good, and when Jesus asked people, you say that I'm good, but, and it's because the word good, how it was being used is using that as deity. He wasn't just saying I'm a shepherd or they weren't weirded out by it. He was literally saying I'm God. That's who I am. And so he said, this is, I'm that guy. I'm, I'm the Messiah that you've been looking for. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Now, this is why that's weird. Shepherds loved sheep. They counted their sheep. They named their sheep. But, but the sheep ultimately, a lot of them, the good sheep, they were, they were meant to pay the sacrifice, right? When you went to the temple, you took your best sheep or goat or whatever you raised and you sacrificed it, and that was the penalty. And this is not what Jesus said. Jesus said, no, I'm not making you lay down because that's what you're supposed to do, but that, and that's what you deserve. I'm laying my life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. So like if I hired you guys and you watched my sheep, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them, and scatters them, and this is it. So many of us have our hearts pulled in so many different directions by something that we put higher in the hierarchy of our lives than what they should be, and much higher than Jesus. And we're not in Christ. We know Christ. He's part of us, but we don't know Jesus. And, and the result of that is that when the wolf comes, or we'll just say valley, or when we're in the valley, we're not in the valley, we walk out of it because we can get out of this and we let past victories start determining what we do, right? And, and, and all this stuff starts happening. And then when the wolf comes, we're like, what happened? I thought I could trust that person. I relied on my husband, my friend, my, what happened? And at the end of the day, there's only one person that I can count on through everything. And it's not a knock on people. But listen, I heard a friend say this a long time ago and I thought it was a great quote. The best of men... Wives, friends, the best of men are men at the best. The best of women, the best of you ladies, are ladies at the best. We can never be more than that. And even when we're in Christ, we're still flawed, aren't we? 
Like the best of me is me at very best. And sometimes that is not awesome. (laughs) But the best of Jesus never changes. And it's always the same and it's always full of hope. And here's why. This is what verse 13 says. Because I or whoever you rely on other than Jesus, we flee because he he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? But then this is what Jesus said, and I love this so much. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, excuse me, I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Now, you got to get this, because this is my favorite part of the message. This is my favorite part. This is how the shepherd and the sheep, this is, this is in the valley, guys. This is it. This is, the, this is the game changer. This is it. This word, no. I know my own, my own know me. That word is the same word in a different language. This is Greek, and the Old Testament was Hebrew. And in, and in Genesis chapter 4, it says, it says, excuse me, Adam knew Eve, and they had Abel. Adam knew Eve, and they had Cain. And this is what I think the problem with the American church is, but like, I don't even want to put it as American church. I think followers of Jesus tend to drift and this is where we drift we date Jesus right y'all with me we date Jesus like he's he's awesome I'm gonna try him out on Sundays by goodness it's me and Jesus right and I'm gonna try hard to do better so that God's not mad at me and so I can do more but that word to know doesn't mean to date it doesn't mean to hold hands it means look to know to be intimate to the point that they had Abel and Cain because they knew each other biblically speaking. Now, it's not weird and it's not funny and it's not a joke. It is simply intimacy with the king of kings. Then this is what we do. We date him because he's cool and we'll kind of go off and drift with him and then when it's not convenient, I go away. I'm not in Christ because I don't know him. I know him. I said a prayer. It was great. But like to know him, to hear his whisper when I'm in the valley and to know that he wants me there. It's not something that he's surprised about. He sees that storm coming. He is with me. He is following me. He is in front of me. He's blazing the trail and he's all around me. His hand is on my head. And how do I know that? Because I have peace and I have joy. How do I change the world, Pastor Mark? How, how can I really make a difference? Are you in Christ? Paul used that word in Christ 70 three times and that word translates the exact same that this word does it is to know Christ and it is not to believe like this but to know and at the end of the day this is the only thing we have to answer I'm not asking you what awful sin you committed this week because listen when you're in Christ he doesn't hold your sins against you that doesn't give you a license to sin this is the deal when you're in Christ you won't keep sinning it's crazy Paul described it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. He's like, it's not what I do that makes me in Christ. It's not what I do that makes me to know him. It's the fact that I know him that makes me do what I do. Because he loved me first, I do everything I can so that everyone else can know. I don't want my works. I don't want my attitudes. I don't want anything in my life to reflect anything but the fact that I'm in Christ. But that's not what makes me in Christ. He is what makes me in him. The fact that he loved me enough to live for me, not just die for me. 
and live for you, not just die for you? And this is the question. Not are you working hard enough to get out of the valley. Not are you doing enough things. It's this. Do you know him? I mean, really, do you know him? Because Billy Graham, who turned 96 on this Friday, most people know who that is. One of the most famous Christians ever said this, 70% of the American church, that's us, is lost. Do you know why he says that, I think? Because they know him. And they're dating him, but they don't know him. Guys, until we know him, we'll always try to fill it up. We'll always be miserable. We'll always try to work ourselves back to the mountaintop. And guys, God will get you to the mountaintop when you're good and ready. But he is not going to force you there. And he is preparing you for a great work. You all, look at me right now, please. You all have a destination that God has an intention for your life that is unstinking believable. But you will never make it if you keep fighting. It is not about you trying harder. Guys, I'm telling you, quit. Quit trying. And just rest in him and say, God, I trust you. I trust that you're big enough and powerful enough as God that you will do the work in me, not me. So this is the invitation. This is the invitation. This is it, okay? Stop relying on your past victories and believing that's it. My past victories are no assurance of future victories. My past ability to get out of the valley is not an assurance that I'll get out of the valley. I must rely on God. How do I rely on God? To know. To know. I must be in Christ Jesus. I must be in Christ Jesus. This is what I want you to answer today. One person in the first service said yes to Jesus. And I believe they didn't say I want to know him. I believe they said I want to know him. I don't care if you've been in church a thousand times in your life or today's your first time. We are all equal because it's not about what we know. It's not about our education. It's not about what our last name is or how rich we are. This is what's amazing and crazy about God. He doesn't look at me and say, great job, buddy. Great job preaching. He just says, I love you. You're my son. He looks at you and says, you're my daughter and looks at you no differently than he looks at me and never will. If you kill someone today and I preach, God loves us the same. And I cannot explain that other than that is how amazing God is. You're like, that's not fair. A lot of things aren't. A lot of things aren't in Christ. But he loves us. And he holds nothing against us when we've trusted him. And so, do you know him? Seriously, do you know Jesus? Because that's what everything is. Guys, this is an offering from me to you, from us to you, why we do everything that we do is so that you can have peace. I don't care if you have a PhD, that's not enough. The only thing that's enough in the valley, on the mountain, or in life is, is to know. Right here, to know. Will you bow with me? Very simple. Pastor Mark, I've heard this before, man, or maybe this is the first time, but I don't know Jesus. I am not certain in my heart that I've ever said, you know what, it's not about me. It's got nothing to do with me. I've dabbled around. Today, I want all of him. I am trusting him. And in the worst of times, I choose Jesus, man, above everything else. And guys, what I'm asking you to do is, if today is the first time in your life that you said, I want to know Jesus Christ, I want to be saved right now, 
meaning I will place my hope and trust in him and say, it's all you. I'm not going to try to fill me. I believe that you will do that for the rest of my life. I want Jesus. If that's you, as high as you can, will you slip your hand up? As high as you can, slip your hand up right now and say, that's me, Pastor Mark. That's me. One person in the first service who will be, who will be the brave person that will say, that's me right now. I'm going to do that. I, I want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord right now. I want Jesus. Every person in here, will you look at me real quick? I hope and believe that all of us are followers of Jesus. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you feel like you're a hamster running over and over, and it's like maddening, right? Because I, I keep doing the same things over and over, and I don't understand it. Just quit trying, just thinking hard, right? You're not going to get yourself out of the mess, and your past victories and, and successes aren't what does it. If you look at yourself and say, I'm not as bad as them because I don't, you are asking yourself for a wreck. This is our job as Christ followers. I am empty so you can fill me. End of story. So I can honor you. At the point that that happens, listen carefully. At the point that that happens, your culture will be so contagious that people will want to know what's different about you. But it's not about you. It's about him who is in you. And at the point that that's how we define ourselves because it's the reality of what we are, there is seriously nothing that cannot be accomplished. And until that happens, we are hamsters running, 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 and frustrated as all get out, not knowing why we don't have peace. Guys, leave today with the most peace and joy that you've ever had in your heart, not because of what I've said, not because of what you've done, but what he is doing and will continue to do in you. Know him and be free and let's change the world together. But it's not about this guy, I promise you. If I've ever thought that, I think it more now than I ever have. It's about him who's in us. Will you stand with us? We're gonna close with my favorite song dealing with this. And if you listen to the words as you're singing them and actually think about what they say, man, I'm telling you what, it is such a, Oceans is such a beautiful song when it comes to the difficulties and going through the storms and the valleys because of him who's in us. Let's pray, God. I believe with all my heart that more than we ever will want to change this community and the surrounding communities, you want to change it more. So God, will you empower us? And I don't even think we have to pray that. You already want to. God, will you encourage every person in this room just to be empty because you already promised that we'll do greater things than you ever did. So God, I pray today for an army of people that love people that do things more than they've ever done, but not so that we gain your love, but because you love us, we do these things. God, when this happens, I truly believe we'll change the world. I love you, Jesus. Not because of something I've done, but because of all that you are. And I want to know you and the power of your resurrection, like Romans 1.16 says, I love you, Jesus, and I cannot wait to see your hand at work in this house. Amen.